0: Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. More than 6 million people in the United States suffer from chronic wounds. These are wounds that show minimal improvement after four weeks of treatment or haven't fully healed in about eight weeks. They usually fall into the following categories, diabetic ulcers venous stasis ulcers, pressure sores, ulcers on arms or legs with minimal blood flow, and also chronic hard-to-heal wounds. So what should you do about it? Well, we might have some answers for you today. We have doctors Mike Shin and Ajay Bhatt in the studio from Queen's Wound Care Clinic. They're experts in the diagnosis and treatment of chronic wounds. If you or someone you love has a wound that just won't heal, we'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 941 3689 Or on on Oahu, we're toll-free from our neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. Dr. Mike, Dr. Ajay, welcome to The Body Show.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks for being here. Now, part of the reason why you're here is because, Dr. Mike, you were seeing one of the people that I see. And they had this horrible leg wound that we just, for the longest time, couldn't get taken care of. And they came to see the wound care clinic. And I have to say... They're almost completely healed. You guys did a fantastic job.
2: Oh, very happy. Thank you.
0: Now let's talk about what's normal because lots of us gets little, get little cuts and scrapes and things on our body, and we think how long is it going to take to get better? What's the normal course for, for an average person who has normal blood flow and no problems with, with their blood vessels at all? If you get a cut, how long is it going to take to heal?
2: Well, it really depends on a lot of things, uh, such as the size. If it's really large, then obviously it's, t- it's going to take a little bit more time.
0: So let's talk about a quarter size cut. You get um, a little cut; it's about the size of a quarter. That's kind of big, sort of in between. How long should I? How long I'd should say it take? Probably about four days. Four days. Yeah. Get a nice scab on it. Yeah. Okay. Now, a lot of times, people are either seen in an emergency room setting or they do some first aid at home. What should they do if you get a cut? Dr. Ajay, if, if you're out there, you scrape yourself, you get a cut, what's the best first aid for a wound in general?
1: I think the biggest thing is essentially to uh, have it washed off. You can use essentially soap and water and try to take off all the kind of the, the material that got exposed or the, the wound has gotten exposed to. Um, so if you
0: got gravel in there, you found the parking lot, try and get all that out.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: If you put a bandage on it, how often should you change it?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I think there's no fine answer on when to change a bandage. Uh, Okay. Ideally, it's... Before
0: three days. (laughs) That is an answer I think we can all agree on.
1: (laughs) Ideally, it's the amount of drainage that actually comes from the wound. Um, So it's kind of like, I'd say, kind of like Goldilocks. You don't want to make the wound too wet. You don't want to make it too dry. You kind of want it just in the middle. So you want a little bit of moisture to the area, Uh, But not too little either. So
0: not too much, not too little, just right. And if you cleaned your wound yourself, how important is it to use peroxide or something other than soap and water to keep this wound clean? If you just injured it and you decide you're going to stop the bleeding and you you wash it off, do you have to use those other sorts of elements? I mean, I know some folks who put alcohol on their wounds, and I just shiver at the (laughs) thought thinking, good for you, but ow.
1: So... Um, unfortunately, we in, in uh, the U.S. in general, uh, patients in general will often put on things like betadine or alcohol or neosporin, peroxide. Neosporin,
0: that kind of stuff? Okay. but,
1: but And they, they all do a very good job in the sense of killing the bacteria. Unfortunately, they kind of kill the actually healthy tissue as well. So we actually recommend not to put on things like betadine or peroxide. In terms of neosporin, it's a little it's less cytotoxic so it means that it's not it won't destroy the healthy cells around the area so putting something like neosporin or some type of wound gel around the area is actually recommended just stay away from things that are a little bit more cytotoxic
0: so avoid the bactine spray the you know doing things like betadine or hydrogen peroxide if you can clean it out with soap and water do that if you can't because you're somewhere where you don't have that available, plain water better than peroxide or, you know, either or?
1: I think plain water is just fine. Tap water is, you know, you don't need to go uh, to use bottled water or normal saline. Just as long as you rinse it off pretty, pretty well. And if you don't have any, you know, significant comorbidities, your wound should heal.
0: So, Dr. Mike, let's talk about what those are, because, you know, there are certain things that some people have that, could make a wound take longer to heal. What kind of medical conditions would alert you to somebody needing a little bit more time?
2: Let's see. So there's a lot of factors that are involved in terms of uh, contributing to wound healing. And sometimes it's often very hard to distinguish which one thing, but things like diabetes, heart disease, um, you know, if they're debilitated, maybe they're malnourished. Uh, nutrition often plays a big role in our patient population and, and just age as well, uh, older age. Uh, would make me think that maybe that they would not heal as quickly as others.
0: A lot of things don't work as much as it used to when you get older, sure. wound healing, another one of those process. Uh, yeah, you know, when we talk about diabetes, if your sugar's really well controlled, you know, I often tell folks, you know, bacteria love sugar. And if you've got some extras, they're going to love your wound. <laughs> but if you keep your sugar really well controlled, is it that much of a factor?
2: Um it shouldn't play that much of a role. I mean, if it's with truly, good sugars, okay. Exactly. But after over time, even if you have really good controlled sugars, uh, diabetes will eventually play, uh, will affect your arteries, your, your uh, microvasculature system, and, and just the tissue in general.
0: So that's why you mentioned heart disease, for example, blockages to the arteries of your heart. Next week, we're going to talk about what about blockages to other areas of your body. So, you know, blockages to blood vessels to your legs could have an impact on wound healing. Exactly. And you mentioned nutrition. Uh, Dr. Bott, tell me, how important is it for people with a wound that's not healing to make sure they're getting in enough protein and other sorts of things that we would think they would need?
1: It's, you know, protein uh, or malnutrition in general is, is uh, something that we see very, very common, uh, very often amongst patients who have chronic wounds. And the reason is, is the wounds themselves are losing a whole lot of um, uh, protein. You know, they say that the average quarter size, perhaps a little bit bigger size wound than a quarter is losing approximately a four ounce steak per day. And so if you can just imagine a chronic wound being there for that amount of time, how much protein is actually lost, and so your body is going to need not only your daily amount of protein, but that added amount. And anytime your your wound is essentially there and chronic, um, without that right amount of protein, it's it's very the chances of it healing, even though all of these other factors are controlled, is very very difficult.
0: Now, where does the protein go? You mentioned that you lose it. Is that in some of the fluid that drains out of the wound, or or where when we talk about that? That 4 ounce steak of protein, you know, that's quite a bit of protein. Where's it
1: going? A lot of it is essentially seeping right outside of the wound itself.
0: So that's that fluid and stuff that you see that you might want to change your dressing because of that's, that has protein in
1: it. Absolutely.
0: And so if you were to be in that situation where, you know, you're malnourished and you have these other issues, how long then does it take for a wound to heal? I mean, could it take months?
1: It can we you know there's patients that we have seen that have had wounds from essentially uh, a couple of months to 14 to 15 years, and anytime you control that uh, nutrition, you get that nutrition uh, value up. We often check to check a value called a prealbumin, and anytime uh, the the value is less than 20, by definition we 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 consider it the patient malnourished. And by increasing that protein amount uh, and having that prealbumin value increase greater than 20, we've seen some remarkable changes.
0: I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with my wound care specialist, Dr. Mike Shin and Dr. Ajay Bhatt, and we're talking today about non-healing wounds, those things that, you know, it just takes forever to heal. And when should you start to get concerned? If you have a question about yourself or a loved one, or you've had a wound that's taken a long time and you found some particular secret to help it heal, you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Mike, when people come to the wound care clinic. What sort of wounds do you generally see? A lot of people just see the regular doctor. They get dressing changes. They do all the right things. At what point does somebody need to go to a specialist to just deal with wounds?
2: So probably some of the most common wounds that we see are diabetic foot wounds, uh, pressure ulcers, um, just from people who are debilitated and elderly. Uh, we also see, sometimes you see arterial wounds as well as venous uh, ulcerations. And what we actually teach the the private physicians kind of the rule that we go by is if it's not healed by uh, four weeks, then uh, refer to us. And if it's not healed by 50% in two weeks, you can also refer to us.
0: So... Let's talk about diabetic wounds as an example. Lots of people have diabetes and they get concerned. And when you mentioned diabetic wounds that aren't healing, what do you do? So if I were to see somebody and they have a wound and it's been four weeks and it's not healing and I know they have diabetes and they're trying to work on their diabetes, what's your magic?
2: So uh, as I said earlier, the, we think that there's a multiple number of factors that are involved in the the healing process. And so it's always very difficult to pinpoint exactly which one factor is contributing to the wound. And actually, the the truth probably typically lies somewhere in between. And so our approach is there's uh, about 10 to 12 factors that are involved in healing, and we just try to optimize all of it. And at some point, we hope that uh, the patient will come to some critical mass, at which point we have healing. And if that works, then we continue on. If uh, if the patient is not responding, then we keep trying to adjust uh, and kind of uh, reconfigure things.
0: So you mentioned these critical factors, these 10 or 12 factors. So if somebody has a wound that looks like it's infected, for example, mm-hmm. then they may use some antibiotics. It may take longer to help uh, to have this to heal. Are there special dressings that they should use? Should people be avoiding adhesive Band-Aids if they have a wound and that... They don't have enough material and the adhesive is getting in the wound. And, I mean, what can they do at home if they're worried about it being infected? Because I would assume an infected wound might take a little longer to heal. Would that be right?
2: Sure. And and infection is one of the factors uh, that we try to optimize. And sometimes you can have just a very superficial wound infection. Uh, Sometimes you can just have um, kind of a colonization of the wound itself by the bacteria. And in worst-case scenarios, you can actually have uh, more life-threatening infections or infections of the bone. And all of those require a different approach to treatment. Some require surgery. Some just require uh, washing out with tap water, for example. Um, But all of them require different modalities of treatment, and it should be assessed by a medical profession.
0: So it's really an individualized approach. Exactly. You see somebody, you identify the source of their wound, what are these other risk factors that they have, optimize what seems to be getting them better, and then give them a personalized treatment. And I think something you alluded to earlier, which is really important, is if it 's not working, adjust that treatment to something else exactly, because sometimes we put the same dressings on, we do the same thing, the same wound care it 's not getting better, and we just kind of say, maybe it will eventually, but it 's time to change course in that case it may be that
2: is correct okay. and we have a uh, we kind of have a, a system in place where every four weeks we have what 's called a wound or a four week review of our patients, and at that point we all come together and we try to. Uh, look at the patient and see if they're healing appropriately. And if not, then figure out what needs to be adjusted or what has not been addressed, or uh, come back to one of the factors that we thought was optimized to make sure that it truly is.
0: So it's really a multidisciplinary approach. Absolutely. And so, who are the members of the team? There's yourselves, right?
2: Correct. Uh, we have podiatrists. Uh, we have plastic surgeons. Uh, we also have uh, uh, endovascular uh, cardiology, as well as a vascular surgeon, and. Um, infectious disease and general surgery, as well as um, just regular internal medicine doctors that we work regularly with.
0: So anybody who might be involved in helping that wound to heal, they all get together, come up with this comprehensive plan and really help to make sure that somebody's getting better. All right, we've got a couple of callers in the line. We have Siana from Kailua Kona. Siana, welcome to the Body Show.
3: Hi, thank you. Um, for I clients. have a question about the validity of possibly using, uh, like, a salt with xylitol. I went to a course that talked about using xylitol um, to prevent biofilm and as a wound healing agent. Have you ever heard of that or recommend
0: that? Dr. Shin?
2: I think the only time uh, I've heard of xylitol is in, uh, in, like, gum and toothpaste. But in the actual... Yeah. Use yeah,
3: no, I went to a course and they were saying oh, yeah, yeah. That, you, that it's actually to be used for wound healing because it'll prevent the biofilm from forming, and I just didn't, I was wondering about the validity of it.
2: Uh, I Unfortunately, I don't know the answer to that. I haven't seen the, the research for that, so I'm not very sure. But
0: Okay. It's a great question, Siana. I, I've never heard of that. You know, I chew gum a lot, and I think, hmm, yeah, you know. And
4: I Either, but this, the the woman that you know that gave the course was just going on and on about all the
3: different uses and and, and specifically, um, uh, you know, acne
4: or anything
0: with a biofilm. Dr. Ajay,
1: so you know, to be honest, I haven't heard of xylitol either, uh, or we haven't we haven't had the experience to use it. However. Um, you know, we often do use something, uh, some other products such as honey, and honey has been very effective in treating some of our chronic wounds. So, you know, I, although I'm not, although I'm not familiar with xylitol, um, you know, my guess is that, you know, something similar with honey. The fact that there is uh, glucose in there, it it, de- it definitely has benefit to the wound. So
0: there's a potential, and, and you know, I've learned something new. I wouldn't have thought. What I'm chewing in my mouth with gum could help wounds, but you never know, because who would have thought honey would help wounds? I mean, really, you know, in my thought, I'd be worried I'd be feeding bacteria, but in fact, I may be feeding skin so that they can actually, the skin cells can recover more effectively. So interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Now we just have to save the bee populations. We have (laughs) enough honey. I know that's been an issue, but all right. So we've got another caller. We've got Lawrence on the line from Wymanalo. Lawrence, welcome to The Body Show.
5: Hey, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. What can we do for you?
5: Well, I just uh, wanted me to make a comment, because you already stole my thunder.
0: we oh, don't using, let me uh,
5: Honey, and or just sugar uh, on wounds with uh, a lot of success. Uh, in fact, it actually clears up infections as well as the healing. It promotes the healing a lot faster, mm-hmm. as, and 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 no scar tissue. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I know it sounds kind of witch doctorish, but uh, we've been doing it for years, and. Uh, You know, we're not turning back (laughs) from this point on. As long as the cut's cleaned out or the is cut, whatever's clean, put on honey. uh, I guess you could use sugar in a paste form or something. Evidently, it works really well.
0: Well, you know what, Lawrence, I think it's a great idea because there's a lot of all-natural things that medicine used to sort of frown upon 20, 30 years ago. And yet, now we're sort of coming back to some of those treatments and realizing that, you know, it worked. And maybe we may not completely understand why, but there's some scientific basis for it working. So you're right, Doctor Ajay's shaking his head like, "Yeah, we 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 use honey." I mean, who would have thought? But there you go.
1: Yeah, I, I, w- I would say that approximately one out of four patients uh, we will put honey on, and we've seen some remarkable results with with honey. Now, keep in mind that the honey that we use is you know is is medical grade honey. I don't, I've never tried it on you know. Uh, honey bought from the store but you know there are case studies in the developing world of using just you know sugar and water and they found results to be actually pretty comparable to the medical grade honey that we use so it definitely you know in my experience uh, i'm i'm a believer
5: well likewise we're really pleased with the results and i just wanted to pass that on but you know the CAs are already doing that so and uh, I, I think uh, most most of the drugs and stuff we come across today are basically based off of the original off of the original ingredient that uh, was uh, active in helping the you know the treatment or cure thank you very much
0: All right. Thanks for calling in today, Lawrence. Great minds think alike. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with my wound care experts, Drs. Mike Shin and Ajay Bhatt from Queens Wound Care Center. When we come back, we're going to talk with a couple more callers and we're going to answer a question that I'm curious about with hyperbaric wound healing. Does that really work? Is that something we should be looking at for certain wounds that aren't healing? What's the evidence? And we'll find out about that in just a minute. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689 we'll be right back stay with us
5: traveling really light can be the most fun of all we uh, didn't shower for weeks we camped on golf courses the tops of mountains
2: dan austin recalls the cross-country bike trip that changed his life and Ferenc Maté knows it's the simplest things that can give the most pleasure.
5: One of the proudest things I do, I grow garlic. Nothing is more thrilling than sticking 100 cloves in the ground and seeing every one of them come up. Follow your bliss on the next Travel with Rick Steves.
3: Tuesday at 4 p.m., following Fresh Air.
2: I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozal. Next time on Bite Marks Cafe, we'll go behind the scenes of Hawaii's first mini-maker Fair. Alan Saladam and Ross Mukai will recap the event and update us on the local maker movement. That's next time on Bite Marks Cafe, Wednesday at 5.
0: Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with my wound care experts, Drs. Mike Shin and Dr. Ajay Bhatt from Queen's Wound Care Center. We're talking today about those wounds that won't heal. It should only take about four weeks or so. If it's taking longer, what's going on? What should you do? Before the break, we were talking with Lawrence from Waimanalo about a mutual love of honey for wounds and how that's one of those oldie-but-goody treatments that seems to work You know, we had a shy caller just a few moments ago who wanted to know about hyperbaric treatments for wounds. That's something that's come up quite a bit with the use of hyperbaric chambers and in different ways that we can see some success with it. But I'm curious for wound care. Dr. Mike, what do you think?
2: Uh, I think hyperbarics is uh, an adjunct to treatment.
0: So what is it really? I mean, if somebody goes into a hyperbaric chamber, what are we really doing? What's What does hyperbaric mean?
2: So there are several things that uh, compressed oxygen does. And one, in some patients that have uh, microvascular, which is blocked or uh, just doesn't have the best circulation, such as a diabetic with a foot wound, um, that compressed oxygen helps bring oxygen to that tissue that needs that oxygen to to heal. Uh, but it also will help our body utilize o- – because oxygen is part of the, uh, I guess, white blood cells to make certain chemicals to fight off infections. So it actually helps um, your, your body or in your immune system uh, produce these oxygen radicals that fight off certain infections. So in some people with uh, bone, really bad bone infections or really bad skin infections, such as like the flesh-eating uh, infections, then hyperbarics may be indicated.
0: So it might work. It might help. Correct. It's one of those things in your arsenal of treatments. Exactly. For the right individual with the right type of wound and the right circumstances, this could really be a lifesaver. It could. All right. Do you use that often?
2: Um, again, it really depends on the, the patient. There's, uh, the evidence is fairly limited. for. There's only specific types of wounds that uh, can be used for um, or use hyperbarics for.
0: So certainly not everybody. Exactly. Now, there's another one that I think is pretty common, and we see this a lot in people as they get older, people who have elderly family members who are home, maybe spend a lot of time sitting or a lot of time in bed, and that's the pressure ulcers. Dr. Bott, what can you do about pressure ulcers? I mean, I know it's simple to say, we'll stop sitting so much, but realistically, that may not be as, as helpful of a suggestion as we would hope. If you've got a pressure sore or a pressure ulcer, whether it be on the buttock area, on the heels, somewhere on the body, what should you do?
1: It's a great question. There's, there, you know, uh, um, pressure ulcers are extremely common. Um, there was a, a study a couple of years ago that uh, surveyed uh, hospitals, and they found that over 250,000, so a quarter million wounds um, in, for patients that were in the hospital, Um, Develop pressure ulcers. Now, they vary from stage one to stage four. However, the fact that even, you know, to have essentially 250,000 wounds appear while the patient is actually in the hospital, I I think addresses a larger problem. And um, pressure ulcers are very, sometimes very difficult to heal, um, especially uh, for those patients who are malnourished and somewhat debilitated, especially if a patient is having difficulty turning over, um, you know, a pressure wound can easily occur. We've, you know, they can often occur even after two hours of sitting still. So the biggest thing is to essentially turn as frequent as possible. So if the patient is unable to turn by themselves, having a caregiver or a family member or somebody to help turn them is, is ideal. There's a lot of other modalities that we often use and we often get. Uh, one of the things that we often uh, try to, to, to get for our patients is an air mattress. And essentially an air mattress tries to offload some of the, the pressure points, uh, especially over the buttock and the hip, um, and we've seen some success with that. And then as Dr. Shin had kind of uh, discussed earlier, a lot of it also is to, to optimize the other factors as well. Um,
0: nutritional if that's an issue. The movement if that's an issue. Exactly. Those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now when you talk about an air mattress, you're not talking about like an bit I mean you're you're talking medical grade air mattress that's a certain proportions of air you put in. It's not just something you would buy at Target or Costco or
1: That's correct. There's um an air mattress is it's it's not uh just one that you can buy at at, at it's the a store. Specialized it's, one. it's one that you have to order. Unfortunately, it it, it costs uh, a pretty penny.
0: Okay. Well, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Ann from Manoa. Anne, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. What can we do for you today?
3: I was just curious if you had any suggestions for elderly patients who are on Coumadin, um, whether yeah, the honey or other things work
4: well with them as well um, for wound care.
0: It's a great question because, you know, Coumadin is a blood thinner, and you have to be careful with some of the things that you do when you're talking about blood thinners. So uh, it's a great question. Dr. Mike, Dr. Ajay, if you're on Coumadin and you have a wound, and what kind of wound? Like just a Uh, leg wound? My my father
6: just had about 17 stitches in his leg, and he's on Coumadin, so it was a pretty deep cut from a, um, a fall. And
3: I was just curious if there's any good things
0: to help him. I see. So it's on a leg. He had stitches placed. And it was a deep, he was a fall that originated it. So, okay, curious. Uh, Dr. Mike, what do you think? I mean, if you have a foreign body like Stitches, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit, it helps the wound to heal, but it can also delay things a little bit as well. Uh, would honey be okay?
2: Uh, it depends. Is, is it uh-huh. open or is, I mean, if it's been stitched up, then it should be somewhat closed. It should be closed. closed, sure. So I w- wouldn't necessarily recommend honey if it's a closed wound. But other things that are involved, is there, you know, trapped blood under there? Is there like a kind of what's called a hematoma? Like uh,
0: like a bruise but under the skin? Yeah, okay. a, a
2: large collection of blood under there. And, you know, is, is your father's leg uh, swollen? Does it need to be elevated? Um, how is his nutritional status? Is he eating enough proteins? Um, does he take uh, or how much Coumadin is he taking? How th- Make sure the level's not too exactly. high. Not okay, too, and- Not too low. Uh, there's a lot of factors, but I would say probably just, uh, some of the easy things you could do is keep the leg elevated, try to maybe compress it just a little bit as long as he, um, if the leg is swollen and just make sure that he eats appropriately.
1: And then I, I would also have to add, um, to watch for any signs of infection. So if there's, if the leg itself is, is, is more red or erythematous, if there's, uh, if, if there's any uh, concern for any fever, if if um, uh, there's more discharge or any odor from the wound, those are some some uh, signs to say, okay, well, this wound might be infected. Perhaps starting on some antibiotics or having it checked out to uh, to, to to a provider is is a good idea.
0: All right, I hope that answers your question, Anne, and yeah. uh, gives you some good suggestions. Now, I'm curious because we talked about how often do you change bandages? And you guys mentioned it really is personalized and individualized. In a situation like this where there are stitches involved, should bandages be changed every day, every 12 hours? Is it okay to leave a bandage on covering stitches for two or three days? If you were looking at a wound that's maybe two inches or less, how often should you change a dressing in somebody with stitches?
1: I I think that probably changing it once a day is ideal. Okay. I think as long as it, the uh, drainage is not that significant, it's probably a good idea to go ahead and change it. Uh, this way, you know, if a patient showers, let's say, in the morning right after that, probably keeping the area somewhat dry and then putting some type of uh, ointment such as Neosporin or some type of wound gel and then putting a Band-Aid over it is probably a good idea. Now, if the wound gets wet or if there's more water exposure to the area, uh, you can go ahead and change it again, but try to make sure that the area is still relatively clean, relatively dry at first, and then putting some type of moisturizing lotion or ointment on it uh, to kind of keep the environment for the wound uh, most optimized.
0: Now, often I'll see people who will have either put on a bandage at home or come from an emergency setting or somehow they have a bandage on. I never see anybody who changes it too much. I always see people who leave it on for days, and you get this drainage, and it's crusted, and it's it's attached to the wound, and you want to take it off, and you try and wet it, and you're trying really hard, and you know you're taking off good and bad skin with it. I mean, you're trying your best. Is there is there ever... Is, is too much really that big of an issue? I mean, I never see dressing changes too much. I always see not enough. Uh, Is there a too much as a problem? I mean, I guess five times a day, if it's dry, you'd be wasting a lot of bandages. But is it better to err on the side of change this bandage than than let's leave it in for a long time?
1: You know, I I think that sometimes if changing it five times a day, it actually may disrupt the wound a little bit uh, because you're often providing pressure or trauma or shearing to the actual tissue or the underlying tissue itself. And so a wound sometimes needs that – to kind of to give it time, essentially, to let it heal on its own as well. So five times,
0: way too much. Once right. every five days, way too little. Find something in between. I'd say so. Okay. All right, we've got Terry on the line from Kailua-Kona. Terry, welcome to The Body Show.
5: Uh, hi, I'm actually in a coffee farm up uh, above Kailua, and a 40 or so years of cuts, scrapes, staph infections and uh, what have you, I found polysporum powder works so much better than the ointments because I think in the tropics, the humidity and ointments uh, don't work as well as the drying powder of powder. What are your thoughts?
0: Great question. I, have not, I haven't heard of that, but I'm sure you guys have. Polysporin or like a powder antibacterial as opposed to an ointment?
1: Well, I, I think kind of what we uh, discussed a little bit about earlier, I think having the right amount of moisture for the wound is ideal. And and you're absolutely right. I think, especially in Hawaii, that the fact that it, the temperature is a little bit warmer, it's a little bit more humid, uh, the skin itself has sometimes more drainage, more sweat, um, and as a result, sometimes putting a powder to make sure that the wound isn't too dry or not too wet is, is not a bad idea. Um, so it, we do tend to use powder a little bit less than some of the other modalities that we have. But if the wound is definitely a lot more wet or is exposed to more moisture, a powder is definitely a good idea.
0: All right, Terry, it sounds like it works for you, and it's a good plan if that's, if that's really helping you heal.
5: Oh yeah, well, you start with the, the hot water and clean it all out, dry it down, and then put the powder on, and it keeps it dry. And it doesn't—it's worked better for me. Is all I can say. I've tried the ointments, and it just doesn't uh, compare.
0: All right, well, great idea. I love to learn something new, and uh, I think I just did. Uh, aloha. All right, thanks. Thanks for uh, educating me about using powder. I mean, I've heard of Nystatin powder and other sorts of drying powders, but. You know, I've seen a lot of wounds that won't dry. People have swollen legs if they can't elevate their legs. This can be a problem, and they they're not able to get the compression or fluid out. It sounds like there's some good options. All right, we've got another caller. We've got Steve from Kaimuki. Steve, welcome to the Body Show.
5: Yeah, hi. Um, I was advised that um, if I get a wound from um, outdoors, that I should not be taking ibuprofen for prolonged periods of time because. If I happen to get an infection from a uh, flesh-eating bacteria, that the ibuprofen will prevent antibiotics from working. Is there validity in that?
0: That's interesting. I haven't heard that. Dr. Shin, have you heard that?
1: I have not heard that either.
0: Okay. Dr. Bog. I
1: I have not either. Okay. You
0: you stumped us, Steve. Interesting. We haven't heard that one before, and these two guys are wound care specialists, so Uh if anybody's going to hear of it, they're going to hear of it.
5: Yeah, there's another question I had. Sure. And that's about the use of aloe for wounds. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on that?
0: Great, Dr. Mike.
2: I mean, I, I do think there's a lot of um use of certain products on the skin, but again, I, I to be honest, in, in the whole spectrum of treating wounds, I think the dressings, the bandages has it has a small role. Uh, there's bigger issues involved, such as uh, the perfusion, the arterial status. Is there an infection present? Is there a foreign body at the base? Is the bone infected? And so, you know, in a lot of a lot of ways, you know, in certain people, if they're really healthy, then they could put anything on it and it'll heal. Uh, but again, you know, there, there's a lot. It really depends on the patient and the wound to really be able to determine what is the best for the patient and to say that aloe is good for every wound that that's it would be very hard for me to say that so it, again it really depends on a lot of other factors
0: all right it's a good question steve okay. you know does does aloe work mm-hmm. and it sounds like it it if you put aloe on somebody who's going to heal anyway they may say it works but it might just be they're going to heal anyway. But, right. you know, I think the it's the difference between is what's important what you put on the outside or is it really what's going on on the inside? And Dr. Mike, you alluded to blood flow issues. You know, if you're not getting blood flow to an area where there's a wound, all those good things that that your body's trying to do, it won't have the blood to help it to do that. So, It sounds like there might be kind of a balance of internal factors that need to be optimized and kind of be as best as as it can be before it really makes a difference what you put on the outside. All right. Thanks very much. But thanks. Two, two good, really good questions, Steve. Thanks for calling us. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Mike Shin and Dr. Ajay Bhatt. We're talking about wound care. If you have a question or you've heard of something, you want to stump me, hey, I'm always happy to learn. <laughs> going to look up that issue about outdoors in Motrin. But uh, you can call us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now I'm curious, Dr. Ajay, when we talk about things you put on topically, we, we mention a little bit about neosporin. We've mentioned about different bandages and things you can use. I've always been told something, and here you can myth bust me. Okay, so Steve taught me something new I want to look up. I want <laughs> you to tell me if this is good or not. I'll often see people who put tape on their skin. And particularly elderly patients, whether it be women or men, they don't have a lot of Extra fat under the skin. They don't have a lot of muscle under the skin. And they put on this really adhesive tape, and they put on a gauze. Mm -hmm. And to get that tape off, you're pulling and tugging at the skin. So years ago, somebody taught me a trick. And they said, you know, tape the bandage, not the wound. So put a nice curling bandage around there or do something to stabilize the wound, but put all your tape on the outside of that bandage. Try not to tape on the skin, particularly if you're dealing with someone who has very fragile, sensitive skin. Is that true or did I just somehow remember this or maybe somebody made it up?
1: Does it make a difference? I I think it actually really does. I think anytime you can put something or leave somewhat, if you can leave the wound alone, I think it's it's probably best. Um, anything that's being exposed, anything foreign to the to the wound is probably not a good idea. Um, and I think that as long as you kind of prevent any of that shearing, any of that trauma, uh, it's a good idea. And, you know, we see a lot of patients that come in with tape and then the following week develop this very red um, surrounding lesion. And there's a very, there's a large amount of allergies that people can often get, uh, also called a dermatitis, uh, with different types of tapes. So I think staying away from putting that band, or excuse me, putting the tape away from the the wound is actually a very good idea.
0: What about paper tape? Does that make a difference? I I mean, I'll have people say, yeah, but this tape barely sticks. And so it's almost like, what's the point if it's barely sticking? But, you know, it does It doesn't have a lot of adhesive. Does that make it a little less traumatic if you avoid the adhesive and use paper tape, or really you know no tape is best?
1: I, I would say so. I, w- I would say that a lot of the tapes, as long as it stays on for the most part I, the the less amount of pressure or the less amount of shearing to the area, probably better as long as as the the dressing that you put on is is able to to stand for that x amount of time. I think anything that's less traumatic to the area is probably a good thing.
2: But it, it is also true that there's certain patients that no matter how small, you know, the, the adhesive that you put on, how little you put on, still when you pull it off, it rips the skin. So we've had some patients with extremely thin skin. So in those situations, uh, we have to do a little bit of um, improvising and trying to figure out how to keep the dressing, you know, to— how to keep it there. in place exactly. sure
0: because you know if it's too loose it's going to fall off exactly. so you kind of have to be creative a little bit Okay. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with my wound care experts, Dr. Mike Shin and Dr. Ajay Bhatt from the Queens Wound Care Center. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about wounds. And, you know, should you put on some of those over-the-counter antibacterial ointments? Does it do any good? Does it do any harm? When we come back, we're going to answer that question and more. You can join us, 941-3689 on Oahu, toll-free neighbor islands, 877 877- We'll be right back. Stay with us.
5: On the next Humankind... Sometimes it takes me, you know, an hour for me to relax all the buzz that's going on in my brain because I've been so materially focused to be able to relax and let go of that so some part of me can
2: listen to more subtle levels. Some ideas for ways to recharge from best-selling author David Allen. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Humankind. This
5: evening at 6.30, right after Marketplace.
4: I kept trying to make it, and every time I took my head off the pillow, it would roll under the bed. This isn't my head that I've got on now. I think this is something that used to belong to Walt Whitman. A big headache. This week on Selected Shorts from
3: PRI Public Radio International. Tuesday at five
4: PM. Following travel with Rick Steves.
0: Aloha, welcome back to the Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with my wound care experts, Dr. Mike Shin and Dr. Ajay Bot. You know, during the break, poor David out there was busy. We've got a lot of callers. We've got Carol on the phone from Kailua. Let's start with you first, Carol. What can we do Hi, for Kathleen. you today? Welcome you. to the Body Show. My
6: call. Great. Um. A- a while back, I was cutting weeds in my backyard, and I took a big slice into my finger when my uh, little sickle slipped, and it I put a lot of pressure on it and headed to the nearest clinic. They um, put some medical-grade super glue on the wound, and it healed really nicely and with almost no scarring. I wondered if the doctors would discuss this use the super
0: glue for wounds. You know, I once stuck my fingers together using crazy glue and I thought it was like, oh no, how do I get it off? And then I remember doing my emergency room rotation in residency and they're like, yeah, I use this wound glue. And I went, this smells like the stuff that stuck my fingers together. So there actually is a medical grade wound mm-hmm. adhesive. What what do we call that, Dr. Shannon? Do you use it? Good, bad?
2: So that's called Dermabond and it's been around for a while and if I'm not mistaken. I think Superglue was actually made for the purpose of treating lacerations. Um,
0: so it wasn't that crazy. it got my fingers stuck, but <laughs> you know I didn't have to cut them to do it, and I probably shouldn't have gotten them stuck. So okay, so it was actually originally made for medicine and if then I'm not we mistaken. started I could be wrong, but okay,
2: I remember hearing that in med school.
0: Okay, so it's actually a good treatment if you have a wound that's clean enough and, and it's applied enough. by an expert and small enough and this actually makes sense, Carol.
1: Thank you. Great, Dr. Ajay. A couple of things about the Dermabond or uh, some of the glue itself. First, the the Dermabond should probably be only used on acute wounds. Um, anything that's chronic should probably be you know not only washed off uh, in a little bit more detail but also putting some other modalities especially keeping the wound open if it's for if it, if the wound is chronic or more than you know, a matter of a few hours. So I I think Dermabond definitely has its benefit, um, but anything that's not acute, I'd probably stay away from it, though.
0: So only if it just happened, Dermabond may help. Don't go home and get your own crazy glue, not a good idea. Absolutely not. (laughs) And animal bites or wounds that really have the potential to get infected, don't go near it.
1: Absolutely, exactly.
0: All right. We've got Lorraine on the phone from McCulley. Lorraine, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Um, I have a question. Well, I have two.
6: But first one is me. Sorry. Um, I'm 67. I have um, sun damage to my arms because I'm part howly and very fair and burn easy. And um, it makes my skin extremely fragile. It bruises easily. It tears easily. Um, it's rare that I don't go out you know, and come back with at least one tear. And sometimes it's like, oh, a dime or a quarter size. No, more like a nickel. Size where the skin is just ripped back from my skin, you know, from the flesh below.
0: Like a skin tear. Are you getting yourself injured by hitting things or by rubbing up against something?
6: Just um, if I'm shopping, if I lean on the shopping cart wrong, you know, the plastic of the shopping cart handle will rip my skin. And so I always carry Band-Aids, and I always carry Mupuripin because that's what my dermatologist recommended with certain allergies I have. Okay. So um, I try at least to put a Band-Aid on because I don't like bleeding all over my clothes, and it usually bleeds a lot. And then as soon as possible, I will open it. It's usually clean, so it doesn't need a lot of of cleansing. It's not a, you know, I wipe it down with um, some water or something. But it's it's not like it's got grit in it. And then I'll put neopyrus in and then I'll cover it with Band-Aid. And maybe I'll change it every two days, depending on where it is. But the problem I have is if it's on my hands. And since I'm 67, I go to the bathroom about every three hours. I am constantly washing my hands. And, then I have to take off the band-aid, dry the, the area, and put on more eupiracin and a new band-aid. So it's constantly being disrupted. You know, is, I've tried the waterproof bandages, but the problem is that it'll develop a leak, water will get in, I'll have to change it. Sometimes just trying to remove the rest of the Band-Aid that's not, you know, that's not the, the part that's leaking, rips my skin. So I end up with, like, you know, two larger wounds instead of one smaller one.
0: So is your question, how can you handle wounds on your hands yes. when you have to wash them a lot?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I just usually just end up using regular Band-Aids and washing a lot and changing them a lot five or six times a day minimum.
0: Sure. And we just talked about how maybe there is too much in some cases and that might be too much. So I'm curious guys, how do you handle wounds in areas that get wet a lot? I mean, should you wear gloves? Should you, what, what can you do to protect your hands? I mean, if, if, if Carol were to, I mean, if uh, Lorraine were to go ahead and wear gloves like a disposable pair when she was going to the bathroom, maybe she won't have to change the dressing so much. Um, what what should she do?
2: I, I think she's in a very tough situation where you have such sensitive skin, uh, regardless of if she puts any bandage on it. Anytime she takes it off because it gets wet, because you don't want it so wet, she risks making the wound bigger or having a new wound. So uh, changing it probably is not the ideal thing. And exactly what you said, uh, I'd probably recommend gloves and see what happens and see if that would kind of uh, reduce the number of uh, uh, tearing or... Uh, subsequent injuries
0: so there might be some options but really this is one of those difficult scenarios where it's going to be hard for her to try and manage this and fragile skin i mean i think work on those nutritional factors work Mm -hmm. on skin protection i know it's hawaii wearing long sleeves might help with some of those skin tears Mm -hmm. hard to say what to do about the hands but boy lorraine you've got a tough situation i hope some of those suggestions help We've got another caller on the line. We've got Carrie from Kaimo Key. Carrie, welcome to The Body Show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling.
3: I have a question about mosquitoes and scratching for children. My daughter frequently gets mosquito bites and scratches a lot. And I'm trying to teach her not to scratch her sores because it starts off as a little sore and it can get really big just because she keeps scratching. So what do you recommend for the healing process for children so Minimize scratching while the wound is
0: healing. Great question, because you know what, Carrie, I was one of those kids. I like to scratch all those things a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, for some reason, mosquitoes loved me, and I just scratch, scratch, scratch all the time. So, uh, great question. I mean, you know, I try not to now, but I mean, I, I sometimes still do. Uh, Doctor Ajay, you got a kid? They're scratching. It, it's itchy. What do we do? Uh,
1: that's a great question. I think, unfortunately, that's 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 a very difficult uh, thing to 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 fix as well, especially with children. The only the you know I can only imagine that the one thing that they'd want to do is to scratch that wound or that mosquito mm-hmm. bite, but uh, a couple of things that you know you, that you can do is to put some type of calamine lotion, uh, something that isn't going to be that irritant, irritative to the the skin itself. Um, you can take some types of uh, other over the counter medications as well. Uh, Something called an H2 blocker is found to be somewhat beneficial, although in children uh, I would probably be uh, just looking at the the correct dosage um, Mm -hmm. and making sure it's weight-based. So things such as uh, ranitidine or Pepsid has found to be somewhat beneficial uh, by kind of blocking some of that itchy type of uh, feeling that often people get with uh, mosquito bites. And okay. I, I do think, you know, I do commend you um, on the fact that uh, you're uh, trying to prevent uh, your children from scratching the, a wound, especially because a super infection after uh, repetitive scratching is is very common, and we see that a lot. The, yes, you're yeah. in a tough situation. So
3: all over her leg because she keeps scratching them, and I'm really having a difficult time
0: preventing her from scratching.
3: So the Pepsid is a, usually for stomach, right?
1: That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Pepsod is an interesting medicine for you, Carrie. It's a histamine blocker. And so mm-hmm. there's histamine receptors in the stomach. There's also some elsewhere in the body. When you hear about antihistamines like Benadryl and things like that, those are like H1 blockers, histamine 1 blockers. Pepsod is considered an H2 blocker, so it's the other element of okay. histamine. And sometimes right, that really that. helps. I would say get some really cool Band-Aids, you know, the ones with superheroes or butterflies mm-hmm. or something really neat. And tell her that if she doesn't scratch it, she can put one of those really cool band band-aids on there and i don't know if that would help her or not or maybe she's just gonna now be addicted to band-aids um but it might be something you know you put she's this special kind of cr- a
3: band-aid freak
0: yeah <laughs> she is already
3: yes but I'm, i was concerned about the wounds getting too wet
0: i know yeah
3: so the balance between being too wet and and too dry sure intact.
0: Well, and I'd also, you know, Dr. Ajay mentioned infection is the other issue. And kids get their hands and stuff, and then they scratch, and their hands may not be clean. So I don't know. I'd focus on the superhero Band-Aid and say, don't scratch underneath it. And, All right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for calling, though. I wish you luck. We've got a couple more callers on the line. We've got Ted from Palolo. Ted, welcome to The Body Show.
5: Uh, hi. Thanks for taking my call.
0: What can we Hello? do for you?
5: Oh, yeah. I have two questions. Uh, I have experience with... Uh... My question is about fresh wounds. So I have livestock and people experience. I was wondering, uh, we I used to use a a product called a blood stopper powder that when you get a wound, you can squeeze this thing on. I I believe it's sulfur-based, and it'll stop the wound. It'll stop the bleeding immediately, even in large wounds in people and uh, livestock. And my second question was... Um, do the doctors believe that there's any um, uh, efficacy to the use of uh, powdered copper on fresh wounds as an antibiotic? I'll, I'll take my question off the
0: air. All right. Two great questions. Uh, all right. Dr. Mike, blood stopper powder, sulfur-based, yeah or nay, fresh wound?
2: I don't know what that is. Never heard about it. Yeah.
0: Okay. I kind of sort of feel like maybe I've seen this on TV before. But it might have been like Doctor Quinn, medicine woman. I'm not sure. It could have been a while ago. But okay, so so there might be a powder or something, Doctor Ajay. You've ever heard of a, a blood stopping powder or like a wound powder? Oh my God, it's cut. Pour this That's on there.
1: Cattle. Uh, to be honest, I, I have not either. But you know, we do use different types of uh, chemical cauterization. But the the biggest thing we use is silver nitrate. Um, there, there are these sticks that we put on uh, some of the 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 wounds that are starting to. To ooze a little bit of blood, and it, it does a good job in terms of clotting. Uh, but you know, in, in terms of putting it on uh, without a provider there, I, I I would be a little bit reluctant to do so. I mean, now, the, what
0: about the powdered copper? I mean, we're talking silver nitrate, and I remember those sticks that you would use and try and make sure that a wound stopped excessively bleeding. Uh, copper have any
1: role? So I I think copper, to be honest, I don't I don't think has as big of a role. I think. Copper, or in general, a multivitamin uh, that you take that has all these nutri- nutrients and vitamins in your uh, that go into your system is probably more beneficial in terms of putting something uh, on your on your wound. I think silver itself is a great product to put on uh, your wound uh, it does
0: have some antibacterial properties absolutely with the silver in addition to stopping the
1: bleeding absolutely, especially some of these acute wounds that we put on or that look an- infected. We definitely put on something called silvadine or something like a silver alginate, uh, something that has silver in it, and uh, it really does take care of uh, some of the infection and, and has been found to, to, to be very beneficial for our patients.
2: But uh, I, I would... Want to be clear that these are medical grades, silver sure. products, not to, just. To You're take, not
0: just going to go get silver somewhere with a ring or something and, okay. and put it on there. It's medical stuff yeah. that we're talking about, medical creams. The Silvadine is a medical prescription. Okay. All right. We've got two more callers on the line. Let's see. We've got Shane from Manoa. Shane, we have time for a quick question. What can we do for you?
3: Hi. Aloha. Um,
5: I just wanted to ask uh, about coconut oil. Now, uh, Hawaiians have t- traditionally used coconut oil. Um, as a wound dressing, you know, after the wound stops bleeding. Um, and, you know, in my own personal um, practice, I found it beneficial uh, for scar reduction um, and its antibacterial and antiviral properties in, in keeping the wound clean, you know, once you've got it stopped uh, bleeding. So I'm just wondering what they think about that.
0: Great question, Shane. All right. Dr. Mike, any idea, coconut oil, yay yeah, or nay, something good?
2: Um, I I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen any research based on that, um, but I'm not saying that it's wrong. But I'm just saying that you know from our experience, okay, I haven't read anything. Uh, Aj, uh, Dr. Bot might have.
1: Dr. Bot, the evidence behind it is you know from what I've seen isn't that much. However, you know any type of oil, my guess, is uh, kind of this this idea of putting something that is keeping the the wound not too dry. And I think by putting, you know, a coconut oil—not saying that I, I recommend it—but having a, a substance that has that amount of moisture on it uh, may actually benefit a wound. Now, there's, you know, unfortunately, I don't have any an, any evidence or there hasn't been any trials on coconut oil. Um,
0: so it might work. There might be some some benefit to it, but not necessarily scientifically studied.
1: Correct. We've we've right. never used it in our in our center.
0: Okay, last caller. We've got Cindy from IAEA. Cindy, welcome to the Body Show. Hi, thank you very much. Good evening,
4: doctors. Good evening. Um, I was listening to your conversation about the the tapes that were ripping the skin. I battled a whole year with my mom, and her skin was was like paper thin, and it was a wound. She's got hemochromatosis, so we were having a really hard time getting this wound to heal. Well, what we started using the from the wound care, we were using Tripler, they put like a sleeve on it. It's almost like a sock and it actually holds all the bandages in place. And we were only able to get it at Tripler. And then within the last, oh, I'd say three months, um, they started carrying it on the outside. So you can actually find it at longs and places like that. And you just cut the sleeve to whatever size you need. And we were also using silver patches and it kept her from getting infections.
0: So you won the battle, Cindy.
4: We won that battle.
0: Excellent. So you put on the sleeve, you did the silver patches. Excellent idea. Sounds like your doctors that took care of you at Tripler for your mom did a great job.
4: They really did. But, I mean, that sleeve is the best. Never had to worry about her skin ripping
0: fantastic we'll have to we'll have to look that one up and find it all right thanks for sharing that with us now guys we had a shy caller who wanted to know scarring so let's go beyond the wound and let's talk just for about a minute or so about vitamin e moderma. do you like them do you think it makes a difference does it help eliminate scarring
2: I, I think it does help it uh, a little bit. But more importantly, there, there's things like uh, sun damage. Um, that's going to leave a lot of discoloration. Sometimes it could ac- actually cause the, the the scar to be worse than it typically is. But so
0: going out in the sun with a scar, so not going out in the sun with vitamin E or Moderna. I,
2: I do think those have shown some evidence to help a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't, you know. You hurdle. can try it if the wound is exactly. healed. Yeah, okay. I don't see why it would hurt it. But um, I would say that probably sunscreen on those wounds once it's healed is probably more important than anything else.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, Dr. Shin hit it uh, pretty well. I, th- I think putting sunscreen on, a, on any type of wound or in general on your body is, is always a, a benefit here in Hawaii. The other thing I think after a wound is healed, say approximately two to three weeks, I would have, um, I would gently try to massage the area about 15 to 20 minutes a day. This way, you're getting a a lot of that granulation tissue out of it. And by doing that you know a couple of times a day is actually really going to benefit the wound or the the once wound there and really decrease that scar formation.
0: All right. Well, boy, I'll tell you, I've learned a lot about wounds today. I hope some other folks have. Dr. Mike, Dr. Ajay, we're going to have to have you guys on again. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show.
2: Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you.
0: The Queen's Wound Care Center is located on the main comp- campus of Queen's Hospital. You can reach their offices. You can reach Dr. Doctor Mike Shin and Dr. Ajay Bhatt by calling the Queen's referral line at 808-691-7117 or call the clinic, 691-5496. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on our podcast, hawaiipublicradio.org, follow links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Bethany Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk about peripheral arterial disease. Don't miss it, Monday at 5, right here on The Body Show. See you then.